You are fettered, said Scrooge, trembling. Tell me why. I wear the chain that I forged in life, replied the ghost. I made it link by link, yard by yard. I girded it on of my own free will, and of my own free will, I wore it. Is its pattern strange to you? Scrooge trembled more and more. Or would you know, pursued the ghost, the weight and length of the strong coil that you bear yourself? It was as full and as heavy and as long seven Christmas Eves ago, and you have labored on it since. It is a ponderous chain. Okay, so can we all name that story? Christmas Carol, yes. So we've probably read it at some point or seen some version of it, whether it's the old black and white one starring Alistair Sims or modern retelling starring Bill Murray or Kermit the Frog. Uh, But it's a great story, it's a timeless classic. And I think that one of the things that makes A Christmas Carol such a timeless classic is its ability to tap into our affinity for reflecting on time. Because for all of us, we know what it's like to have some ghost of a past regret haunt us. Or maybe we know what it's like to fear the future, to have some dread of an undesirable future outcome. So for you, if some ghost from your past were to show up now, who would show up and what would they say to you? For me, I've had numerous, though not literal, ghosts show up. And one of the forms of those ghosts that showed up was in the form of regret concerning a rather obnoxious way that I'd left a job. Uh, So some of you may know that for a long time I've been working as an academic tutor. But what some of you may not know is that years ago, I also used to work as a ballroom dance instructor. Uh, You see, about 20 years and 40 pounds ago, uh, when I was starting out looking for more more work as a tutor, I would look through the want ads, looking for instructor jobs. And one day I saw this ad and it said, ballroom dance instructor wanted, no experience necessary, will train. I thought to myself, I have no experience necessary. I'd like to get trained for this job. And so long story short, I became a ballroom dance instructor. And it was, for the most part, a great job. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, and I worked at a few different studios. However, at the first studio that I worked at, I was also going through a prolonged period of depression. And for about two years, I had the hardest time doing even some of the most basic tasks. And I was just unhappy with my life. And that came out in my attitude at my first dance job. To make matters worse, my interactions with my boss didn't help. Uh, I wasn't really satisfied with the way things were managed. And I responded by being pretty passive aggressive. And so it got to this point where I realized it's time for me to go. And when I left, I'll admit, I left in an obnoxious way. And um, so afterward, I felt guilt about that. I felt regret, it lingered with me, it haunted me. And I felt this remorse concerning my choice to be a jerk and I even had dreams that I would run into my boss and it it would just weigh heavily upon me. And maybe some of you have had similar dreams like that. And so after some time I realized, ah, this is is not how I wanna live. And so I decided I I need to reach out to this guy. And so at first I talked to a mutual friend of ours and asked that friend to pass along my apology. 
This was completely half-hearted and very unsatisfying, very weaselly, I'll even say. Uh, so I realized this is not going to work. I, I need to actually talk with this guy. And so no sooner had I resolved in my mind that I'm going to talk to this guy, I was in Wegmans and I run into him, uh, completely unprepared for this conversation, thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for this. Uh, but I, I walk right up to him and I say hello and I just jump right into my apology and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I was a jerk to you and you didn't deserve to be treated the way that I treated you when I left and I'm sorry. And he responded by just kind of smiling and he said that he had heard through our mutual friend that, um, that I was feeling bad about the way that I had left and then he graciously forgave me and he said that it was okay. I felt so relieved, and I finally felt like I could move forward. Uh, those dreams that I was having, they stopped, and I was at peace. And maybe for some of you, you've gone through some experience like that, where there's something from your past that has been haunting you. There is some chain that you have added link by link and worn around your neck for far too long. And it's been haunting you and your past is coming into your present and it's affecting your future and you're tired of it. If that's you, you're here on a good day because as we prepare to end 2018 and as we get ready for 2019, we're going to consider God's call for us to lay aside those burdens and those things that we've been carrying for far too long and to run with perseverance the race that God has set before us. So together, we're going to find the way forward that God has prepared for us. And we're going to do this by taking a look in a New Testament book called Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So we'll read this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. The Bible repeatedly likens following Jesus to something like running a race, though it's less of a sprint and more of a marathon. Because God knows that moving forward into the future that he calls us isn't easy. And God also knows the unique burdens and challenges and sins that we've been carrying that have been hampering our progress. And so we're going to reflect on these three verses together so that we can work together to encourage one another as we find our way forward. So the passage starts by talking about this cloud of witnesses that we're surrounded by. This is in Hebrews chapter 12. If you look back a chapter in chapter 11, we're gonna find this rich account of these stories of good people of faith, people like Abel and Abraham, people like Noah and Moses, people like Samuel and Samson and David and Daniel and a whole host of other good men and women who persevered in their faith to pass on the message of God's grace. And when we read all of these stories about all of these faithful people, we learn this. We do not run 
alone. We do not run alone. There is a whole rich history of people who have passed on the story of God's faith from one generation to the next. And each of those people, they had their unique challenges and burdens, but they each bore witness to God's faithfulness to them and to their generations. Reminding ourselves of that rich history of those who have gone before us can help to strengthen our resolve as we try to run with perseverance as well. And so I'm thankful for that rich biblical history of the cloud of witnesses, but I'm also really thankful for the personal history, the personal cloud of witnesses that brought Jesus to me. For you see, my faith really took off when I was a college student at Rutgers. And when I started there, I didn't know what I believed. I had a lot of questions, but I got to meet a few people who were Christians and they were wonderful. And so I got plugged into this campus ministry and the staff members, as well as some of the fellow students, they walked me through what it's like to get to know God. They walked with me and walked me through what it's like to read the Bible and how to pray and how to share my faith with other people. And being with these people, it was wonderful to be a part of a community that really just wanted to know Jesus and wanted to make Jesus known. So for you, who is in your cloud of witnesses? Who are the people who first brought Jesus to you? And even who are the people who are currently helping to cultivate your faith? And also for those of you here, for any of us who may be at this moment feeling a bit lonely or isolated or feeling out of place, know this, you are a part of the cloud of witnesses that God is forming right here. What you do matters. And what you do as a part of this cloud of witnesses allows all of us to pass on this story of God's love and grace to the next generation. This is something that we can do together. And so then after talking about this cloud of witnesses, it goes on to tell us, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. This is the key phrase, key idea that I want us to think about this morning. The word for weight can be translated as bulk, mass, burden, or encumbrance. In the running imagery of this text, basically the idea of a weight, it's, we imagine it's any excess bulk that would hinder a runner's ability to move forward well. And so that could refer to bulky clothing, it could be excess body fat. It could have been weapons or armor that an athlete would have been using in another competition that day. But whatever the weight is, the successful runner would have to identify that excess weight that they would need to let go of if they were going to run well. And so I imagine for each one of us here this morning, we all have some excess weight that we're dealing with, uh, though I'm not just talking about physical poundage. Uh, there are these ghosts that we have been carrying. There, are, there is some weight, some bulk, some burden that we each know in our heart that we've been carrying for too long. And for you, while there may be many different weights that you're carrying, there's two in particular that I want us to focus on this morning. When it tells us to lay aside every weight, the first weight I want us to think about is the weight of past regret. Because for you, maybe you know that thing that you've been carrying for too long. And to be honest, you know that 
there's just something that you need to own. There's something you need to admit to, to come clean about, or to apologize for. And if that's you, ask yourself, why am I still carrying this? Why am I hesitating to deal with this? I think that for some of us, when that happens, we don't want to deal with this past weight because it's an old wound. And we have no desire to go and reopen an old wound. But on the flip side, we also know this. If there is some old wound that is still festering, still hurting, still weighing on us, it's probably because we never fully cleaned it out in the first place. And so this idea first came to me back when I was a little kid and I was riding my bicycle. I was around 10 or 11 years old. And as I'm riding my bike, I totally wiped out, landed on my side. My bike's pinning me down and I'm spinning around. And my knee just gets covered in rocks and dirt and it's all scraped up. So I'm bleeding and I'm crying and I pick up my bike and I'm walking home and I just want to go see my mom, who's right here. Um, and I just, I just wanted my mom to put a Band-Aid on it and so I could feel better. But my mom didn't just put a Band-Aid on it because my mom is not just a loving mom, she's also a loving nurse. And she just started picking away at the things in my knee and pulling out the rocks and opening things up and cleaning out the wound and cleaning out the dirt. Now, imagine for a moment, how do you think I saw that situation when my mom, who's sweetly sitting right here, <laughs> as I'm surprising her with this story, uh, how do you think I viewed that moment as she's picking out those things in my knee? I just wanted a Band-Aid, but she wanted me to be well. And even though I didn't appreciate fully what she was doing at the time, she was being wise and she was being loving. And I didn't fully get what she was doing, but I knew her enough to trust her. And for us, as we recognize that old wound that we feel and that's been hurting us, some wound maybe from a conflict that needs resolution, whatever it is, maybe we just want a Band-Aid. Maybe we just want God to slap something on it so we don't have to look at it. But God doesn't want just a Band-Aid. God wants us to be well. And when God wants us to be well, that's going to include trusting him to be wise and to be loving. And that's going to mean he's going to dig in there and he's going to dig out those things that are unhealthy because that's what's best for us. So we may be struggling to deal with these past regrets because we don't want to face those things, but God is wise and loving and we can trust him to deal with those things. But I'll say, in addition to the concern about opening old wounds, I think another reason why we carry the weight of past regret is our pride. Because in our pride, maybe we know that we are in conflict with somebody. And even though we're in conflict with someone and we think about the situation, we might honestly acknowledge, okay, I know this other person isn't 100% at fault, but they're way more than 50% at fault. And there's no way that I'm going to go talk to them first. And so we walk around expecting the person who's more wrong to initiate reconciliation. But has that ever worked out for us? We know that waiting for the person who is more wrong to initiate reconciliation, it's futile. Our history has told us that it doesn't work. And even the Bible tells us that that's not the way that it works. Because think about it. In our relationship with God, who is at fault? Who's us? We were 100% at fault, but God doesn't wait for us to initiate things. He initiates with us. 
That's why we celebrate Christmas. God came to us even when we were still sinners. God set things right with us. And so in our pride, we feel this default mode to not want to reconcile or not want to initiate reconciliation. But here's the thing. Initiating reconciliation doesn't begin with a person who's more wrong. It begins with a person who is more able. And if this morning you feel like you were able to pick up a phone, to reach out to someone, to talk to them, to initiate some conflict, you can do that. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about how important this is. He says, when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Reconciliation matters to God. Finding our way forward means owning our past regrets and initiating reconciliation. And then the second weight that we have to deal with is the weight of future regret. Because as if the weight of past regrets isn't enough, some of us are dealing with regrets for things we haven't even done yet. Uh, perhaps you've heard of FOMO. I know we have a lot of acronyms here, MOCO, FOMO. But that FOMO, the fear of missing out, is really prominent in our culture. We live in a world of abundance and abundant opportunities. And for some of us, we may be facing significant decisions about our future. And on the one hand, that's great because we love these opportunities that are being presented to us. But there's a part of us that, that regrets that decision that we're about to make because we know that if we choose this one path, it means walking away from another alternative. And every time we decide to pursue some opportunity, there's an opportunity lost. That's actually something that economists call the opportunity cost. And over a lifetime of decisions, these opportunity costs accumulate and they weigh on us. But here's the thing, if we want to find our way forward, we have to accept the fact that opportunity costs are going to happen. As we move forward, we're gonna hit forks in the road. And when we hit those forks in the road, we're gonna have to make choices to go one way or another, to choose one thing and to let go of something else. Every person who has made substantial forward progress has walked past countless opportunities. And so for us, as we try to move forward, we have to accept and acknowledge that there will be opportunities that we let go of. And when we do that, we could grieve those opportunities lost, and we could mourn the choices that we never made. Or we can appreciate those opportunity costs because they add value to the choices we did make. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this concerning these things. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Moving forward includes this, do not regret the future. And so then the passage continues, not just telling us to lay aside every weight, but it also says this, and also to lay aside the sin that clings so closely. The language of the sin that clings so closely connotes the imagery of clothing that hampers our movement. Not only are there weights that have been holding us back, if we're honest, 
There's also sin. In the Bible, it, it tells us that here's the greatest commandment, to love God and to love others. Sin is anything that falls short of that. Habitual patterns of sin can include unhealthy behaviors, unhealthy patterns of thought, anything that makes us unloving towards God, towards others, or even toward ourselves. And so this could include patterns of gossip, patterns of greed. It could be lust, pride, envy, anger, laziness, or any other host of sins. We each have some particular sin that's going to tend to cling to us. And regardless of why that's there, there comes a point in each of our lives when we have to reckon with the sin that clings so closely. And we have to choose, are we going to lay that aside? If we ever want to genuinely move forward in our faith, we have to lay that sin aside. Well, how do we do that? Ah, I'm glad you asked. Let's keep reading. The passage continues, Therefore, let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. We're called to run with perseverance, and this is going to mean that we have to run better. And so laying aside excess weight, excess baggage is a great way to run faster. But also running is a great way to lose excess weight. You know, in other words, we can lose weight to run faster, and by running more, we can actually lose weight. It's this beneficial, wonderful cycle. So here's what that means. When we lay down things that hold us back, that's going to help us move forward. But maybe sometimes you think, I don't even know how to lay some of these things down. This is too much to deal with. Well, then maybe for you, your, your next step is this. Just take one step forward in faith. Take one small step that God is calling you to take and move forward into that. Because when we start to move forward, even just one small step forward in faith, it helps us actually to lay aside that sin, those weights that have been holding us back. Forward progress in, in faith really helps us to, to deal with that old baggage that's been holding us back. And so for you, we want to, for all of us, we want to be attentive to what God is saying to us as to what that next step of faith is. Because when we take it, it makes going forward that much easier. And so then the passage continues to say this, that as we run with perseverance, we're looking to Jesus, the author, and we're looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. In saying that Jesus is the pioneer of our faith, it's saying that he has gone out before us and he has marked the trail for us. And so for us to move forward, it helps for us to recognize that those mile markers that Jesus has set out are ready for us. And so those mile markers, they could involve things like learning to read God's word better so that we could understand God's world better. Identifying those mile markers could include praying to God more regularly, getting to know not just more about God, but just spending time with God. And learning to identify those mile markers could also include developing better relationships with other Christians who can give us wise counsel. But Jesus, as the pioneer of our faith, he's the one who has blazed the trail for us and set up markers for us. And Jesus is also the perfecter of our faith. 
So Jesus is not just the pioneer, the one who starts your faith, he's the perfecter of it. The root of this word perfect, it's this Greek word teleos, which has to do with finish, like a finish line. And this teleos, this finish line, it's telling us that there is some finish line, some end game, some destination that we're working toward. Jesus knows what all of our steps have been leading to. When we're in the middle of a long race, it really helps to know that all of our steps are leading somewhere meaningful. Because for Jesus, each step that he took, took him to the cross. The cross was Jesus's finish line. Jesus knows each one of us by name. Jesus knows each story behind each burden and each sin that we have been carrying for far too long. And as Jesus endured the cross, he felt the weight of each of these burdens as he took them on into his own body. And he took each one of our sins into himself and he allowed them to be nailed into his hands and his feet. And when he was on that cross, do you know what he said to each one of our sins and each one of our burdens? It's the same Telia's root word. He says, it is finished. That story of the sin, that story of the burden that we've been carrying, it's finished. That thing that we've been carrying for far too long, that can reach an end. Jesus' sacrificial work is finished. In the name of Jesus Christ, lay down that burden, lay down that sin at the foot of the cross, and let us run together to Jesus, who has set us free. And as we do this, we'll look at the, the conclusion of the passage. It says that we should consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. The race that we are now free to run is a race of joy. Because we don't have to run for ourselves anymore. We don't even have to run from ourselves anymore. Now we get to run to Jesus, and we get to run with Jesus. We can run well by deliberately considering Jesus and the way that he persevered in his race. One of the stories that's helped me understand what it's like to run with perseverance this race came unexpectedly in a simple conversation with this guy that I met who is an ultramarathon runner. Uh, some of you may know about ultramarathons. It's these hundred mile races that people do where they're running for 20, 24 hours at a stretch. And so I'm talking with this guy and I thought, there's no way you're an ultramarathon runner. He's, he's like kind of had a pot belly. He didn't look like he was in the best of shape, but his mental game was on. And, and so, you know, as I'm talking to him about running a hundred miles, you know, my experience with running consisted of running, you know, two miles, you know, three miles, you know, not a whole lot. And, and when I run, I need music playing and it, you know, the music helps me to focus and to, to keep my pace going. And so I assumed that this guy was something like me. And so I asked him, oh, so, so what do you listen to when you go running? And he says, why would I listen to anything when I run? 
and, and I'm thinking to myself, because running is boring? <laughs> uh, but what I said out loud was to help you focus. And he said, when I run, I think about my running, and listening to anything else would, would take away my focus. I thought, oh my gosh, okay. Uh, so what do you focus on when you run? He says, when I run, I focus on my running. When I run every step I take, I think about every step I take. I'm like, for 100 miles? For 100 miles. Every step. This guy, he blew my mind. I mean, this was some next level Zen master stuff. He just, a focus that I can't imagine. You know, I can't drive to the mall without needing to listen to a podcast. This guy was something else. But what I realized is this. This is what perseverance looks like. And while we might not run an ultramarathon, a life of faith, it's actually a lot more than 100 miles. Jesus tells us, you know, when someone asks you to go one mile, go with them the extra mile. Over a life of faith, there are countless miles that we take, countless steps that we take, countless burdens that we're going to have to keep laying aside if we're going to go further better. But we can run with perseverance because it's a path that's already been blazed for us by Jesus, who has done everything we need to run well. He has forgiven us. He has freed us. He has showed us what the way of love and grace is like, and he invites us to run with him in that path. And so for you this morning, do you want to run in that path? Do you want to run that race? because this is a great time to do that. In the name of Jesus, lay aside that thing that you need to lay aside and take up the race that he set before you. We close by just two really simple points of application, and it's this. In finding our way forward, we first are gonna do this. We're gonna take time to thank God for the people who are in your cloud of witnesses. So today, this afternoon, like right after this, if you want, go to lunch, sit down with the people you're here with right now, and think through, who are the people who first talked to you about Jesus? Write their names down. Who are the people that even now are helping you to cultivate you in your faith? Write their names down. And then pray for them. Thank God for them. Maybe even reach out to them. And again, if they're sitting here right now, go say hi to them afterward. Not right now, but you know, in a few minutes, go, go say hi to them. Um, but thank God for that cloud of witnesses. And the second thing is this. Take time to identify and set aside the weight that you have been carrying. Also today, though this you might do privately, make time with yourself in reflection and make time with God in prayer to acknowledge that there's this thing that you've been carrying. Name it. Say it out loud. Write it on a piece of paper, whatever you have to do, but name that thing that you want to lay aside then give that to Jesus and be done with it. You can walk away from it. For me, as I learned from facing the ghosts of my obnoxious past behavior, living with regrets, living with ghosts, isn't the way to live at all. That for all of us, as we learn to lay down our weights and our sins, we could do this by trusting in Jesus's work of redemption, because that's the way that we're gonna find our way forward. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you have shown us the way forward. And that's by following your son, Jesus. 
Lord, give us eyes to see you better. For anyone here this morning who is struggling to be with you, to know you, to believe in you, Jesus, we pray that you would grant them faith. Lord, for anyone right now in that situation, uncertain of where they are in their relationship with you, may they just simply say, Lord Jesus, I need you and I want to be with you. Help me to do that. And Father, we acknowledge that we don't always know where we're going, but we know who we're following. Help us to keep our eyes on you. And Lord, we acknowledge that we're not going to move forward by our best self-efforts or our best self-improvement. Lord, we need the power of your Holy Spirit to live this life that you're calling us to live. So fill us now with your Spirit and empower us to pursue you. And as we do this, Lord, let us do this as a community of grace, a community of people who are each moving at different paces, who are moving with different preferences, who have different ideas about you, about politics, about money, about life. God, give us the grace to focus not on the differences that we have with each other, but in the way that you unite us in following you. So we do this now in the name of your son, Jesus, who loved us and gave everything for us.